Hello and welcome to the Truth About Local Government podcast, a podcast aimed at providing a platform to promote the excellent work that the political members and officers of local authorities are doing to overcome the increasing challenges facing the communities across the UK. Additionally, we will be promoting the wider way of career opportunities that exist within local government. We hope this podcast will help drive engagement between the public and local authorities across the UK. Welcome back to The Truth About Local Government. And today we have an academic expert who is going to be supporting us with a series, uh, a body of work, if you will, around all things local government. Now, Colin Copus is the Emeritus Professor of Local Politics at De Montfort University, and he's visiting professor at Ghent University. And today I'm delighted to be talking about this question. Why is the centre obsessed with large unitaries? Colin, what's going on? Well, we've seen a long, long journey um, from the end of the 60s up until uh, this very date of central government uh, adhering to the view that local government somehow would be far better, more efficient, more effective, uh, generally a better way of organising things if it simply got bigger. And a lot of this journey um, it comes from originally the, the Mould report, at least I think that's it, uh, where it starts from. Mould, which published its report in 1969, was the first time we hear the word unitary used in uh, local government in this country. Uh, previously to that, we had our boroughs, districts, counties, um, all of which you know still exist today in one form or another. But unitary became uh, a new part of the lexicon of of local government uh, as a result of this report. The Mould report, um, a strange document in many respects, um, recommended that across the whole of England, there should be 58 unitary uh, authorities. Now, if that had been implemented, that would leave us today with units of local government, and that's all they would be, simply units, conveniently, uh, uh, administratively convenient units. That would leave us with an av- average population of 950,000 people uh, governed by something that would invariably be remote, distant, and uh, have no sort of affinity or loyalty to the people that it was uh, supposed to be representing and governing. 950, now you might say we have uh, county councils in this country with populations larger than that. Yes, indeed we do, but many of them will have districts below them that provide certain services and add a layer of governance um, that brings that large authority closer to people and of course those districts themselves may even have parish councils which are the remaining part of our local government structure that really roots uh local government um in in areas that people understand and and, as i say have an affinity or or loyalty to what grew out of the report in 1969 was this idea that somehow if you make local government bigger, it will become more efficient, more effective and save money. It will be more cost effective and and cheaper. Um, 
But what we know, I mean, a, a while ago with some colleagues at uh, De Montfort, I uh, conducted some research uh, and what we found looking at over 300 pieces of independent academic research, not consultancy reports, but independent research conducted across um, Europe, was that despite the sort of confidence with which those who wish to see local government get bigger and bigger present their case uh, that it would save money and be more efficient and more effective, there's absolutely no consistent evidence whatsoever to say that that would invariably be the outcome. Uh, sometimes bigger local councils are better than smaller ones, sometimes they're not. So the, the evidence shows us that there's no consistent outcome in any way that says bigger is always is always better. Uh, so we know that it's not. We know that that's that's so interesting because, better. like you know, I think you know from from my side when I interact with with authorities, I mean, you know, from my interaction with them, the the unitary really seems to. Uh, or the new unitaries being created recently. You look at Northampton, for example, that came out of the the financial crisis of the Northamptonshire County Council. Um, and it does feel that tends to, to trigger it off. Why do you think then that when there is distress in one council, the governments tend to band them together? Uh, because I think that's the only that's the only option they've given themselves. That's the only tool they have uh, in the toolbox. There is no way in this country, legally, there's um, as a, that I'm aware of, that councils can disaggregate and become smaller. Whereas in many parts of the continent, that is absolutely what can happen. And in many areas, it does happen that councils decide that they need to become uh, smaller rather than, rather than bigger. And the interesting thing about that example you gave, of course, was that if bigger was always better, why was it the larger county? that suffered the problems and not the well-performing districts. So bigger really, is always yeah. better. You, it's you would true. Think, yeah, sorry, you go. You would think that that would, not, that would not be the case. It would have been the other way around. Now, we know what happened in Northamptonshire. We know some of the problems that it had, but its size didn't save it from those problems. And indeed, no. we can see some of the larger unitaries that have been created uh, very recently, also beginning to struggle uh, with exactly the same problems that we were told that would go away um, if we if we created these larger units. Because if you simply create bigger versions of what you've had before and fail to give those new councils any new freedoms, autonomies, any new financial freedom, any new powers, uh, you simply have bigger versions of the smaller problems that you had. And those bigger versions will invariably eventually become worse. My, my question to yourself as, as, as an expert in this field, in terms of the unitary councils and the county councils that have responsibility for, for children's and adults, highways and SEN, which invariably, you know, is kind of between 60 and 80 percent of every pound spent in those larger councils. Is it? Is it, is it also what they've got to look after that's crippling them financially in terms of that's why the unitaries aren't working or, or is it? I guess yeah, that's yeah. So, so one question: Is it yeah. what they're looking after that's the issue? I think it very much. It, it's part of the issue. Um, it's also uh, the problem is if we we link the increase in council size, the creation of new unitaries, to the centre's obsession with controlling what local government does. Um, I just go back on what I said earlier. You simply end up with bigger versions uh, and, and the same problems that you had before. So the unitaries actually lack the resources to be able to deal with the, the service 
responsibilities that that they have. I don't think that's any um, way um, a problem. But what? Uh, sorry, uh, uh, an issue that that I you know anybody would disagree with. They are responsible for the big spending services, and of course, when you create large unitaries, they also become responsible for everything else. So all of those smaller services that the well not smaller in the sense they're not important, but all of those services that districts were providing, the county now has to provide, or the unitary now has to provide. So you add to their problems by saying, you know, yes, we're going to make you bigger, we're not going to give you any more money, we're not going to give you any more freedoms or autonomy, and by the way, you now need to do all this stuff. So it, you know the, the 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 road to ruin is obvious when you when you look at it in in that way. But as I say, it's a consequence of of the centre having no other tools in its toolbox. And I have to say, it's a consequence of many people in local government being convinced that bigger is better. Um, and again, that simply just flies in the face of of international uh, evidence. Again, you know, part of the question about services, if you look at uh, local authorities in many Scandinavian countries, for example, you'll see a much wider range of services. You'll see health services resting with uh, and hospitals resting with local government, water, sewage, electricity, power provision. Um, those councils are smaller than ours. Their populations are uh, far smaller than ours, but they still run some of these services that our local government lost um, decades and decades ago. And if you now said to uh, a lot of councils, we're going to give you all these things back, I think it would send a shiver up most people's spine because they would be thinking, well, how do we resource these? There are plenty of models overseas as to how to make a vibrant, effective local government system based on rural communities, and we simply refuse to look at it. In the overseas examples that are kind of the, the comparison to our councils, what is their funding like in terms of, do they get a greater level of funding than the UK? Uh, well, again, there's there, there are different uh, systems operating in, in different, as you would expect, in different countries. So um, in some, I mean, I have to say, you know, there are models out there that we wouldn't go to and, uh, and, and Ireland would be one of them because um, you know, I have often had conversations with academic colleagues over there about who has the worst funded and the most centralised system. Um, but then when you look at some of the Scandinavian ones, you also look at um, uh, some of the southern European systems. What you find is a tiered system that enables local government to dip into different financial uh, uh, sources at different points in time for whatever service it happens to be looking at. Now, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, something that, uh, you know, is a million miles away from ever happening uh, in this country, unfortunately. Um, but all of us, I think most people listening, will have been on holiday abroad somewhere, will have travelled to Spain, Belgium, Portugal, Germany, uh, wherever, checked out of their hotel in the morning, been presented with their hotel bill, and then been presented separately with their municipal tourist tax, with a tax that all tourists pay, tourists pay which goes into the municipality to pay for those services that tourists uh, consume because tourism isn't a cost-free um, uh, uh, process. It, it, it's certainly one that consumes services. Um, and we all then go off happily home. Nobody turns around and says, I'm never going to Prague again uh, because they charged me too, 
uh, Euros to, to, to stay for a couple of nights. Nobody ever says I'm never going to go to Copenhagen because, you know, the swine has charged me this or I'm going to move there and vote them out because it's a scandal. This idea. So, so what you see, and I only use this as one example because there are many, many others. Um, it's something that's commonplace. It's something that we've all, most of us have paid when we've been abroad, but it's a glaring hole in ways in which our councils could add to. Now, no council in this country will be able to float off of a tourist tax completely. That, you know, I'm not arguing that. I'm simply saying that there are baskets of taxation powers that rest with municipalities abroad. That means to say they have a much more buoyant, much more flexible, uh, a, a series of ways of generating income for themselves, which we lack. Um, I heard a, a debate recently. There's, a, there's been a couple of councils in this country. They're not tourist tax per se. I think Liverpool is one, might be Manchester the other, and I heard that Bournemouth is, is considering this, about levying a, a, a charge on tourists. But this isn't being done by the councils in the same way that it would be done almost anywhere overseas that you care to travel to. It's a, a levy that the hotels themselves will be uh, collecting. And I'm not sure how it's transported over to the council, but it's a way in which um, funds are generated for uh, 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 various local projects. So they're not tourist tax in the sense that the council has the right to levy them, the council sets the, uh, the rate and the council uses those funds. Um, so they're not, you know, it's an interesting experiment and one that ought to be encouraged, but it's not the same. Uh, and I've also heard, you know, members of parliament saying, well, you know, we charge VAT on our hotels, so that effectively operates as a, as a, as a tourist tax. But of course, the question then is, well, where does VAT go? It doesn't go to the council, does it? You know, so so you're still not addressing that issue. And I know it's a you know just a single example, but it's one that causes so much problems in this country, where it is, as I say, commonplace almost uh, everywhere else. And just on that point, going back to kind of you know the the unitaries uh, and, and you feeling that bigger is not better, and and there's been a session with this as the central government. What is the alternative then? If you say if you had a blank piece of paper now, how would you change it from this kind of continued theme of getting bigger and bigger unitaries throughout the UK? What is the solution, Colin? Right, I think there there is an answer, um, and it's it's one that sees local government not just as a service provider. That's part of the uh, the problem is that the centre uh, uh, and many in local government see themselves primarily as a service provider. I'm not denying those services are not important because they are. Some of the things local government provide are absolutely vital for people's well-being. But there is a model of local government that says it is also, let's, let's sort of put it this way, let's emphasise the word government. Yeah? We, we've, we've almost ditched the word local. From local government you know our councils in this in this country are far larger um, than the european average far larger, almost by a country mile and sometimes like twice the the european average um so we've almost ditched the word local we've expunged you know recently in the cumbria reorganization we've expunged towns that had vibrant uh, uh communities and and their own councils we've taken all of that away um, it, it, and we're moving towards a unitary model that isn't 
the direction of travel for most of local government elsewhere. The OECD uh, did a survey, it was a few years ago now, in which something like two thirds of um, uh, countries had a tiered system of local government. And it had tiers, so in some countries there are, there are four or five tiers below the centre. Um, now this sends a shudder up the, the, the spine of, of Whitehall and many in local government as well, I have to say. But the model, the whole idea of, of a tiered uh, approach enables councils to operate at a level we're told that they need to operate for certain services while also keeping them real and rooted uh, within the communities that people understand and recognise. So my blank sheet of paper would be to would be to look at, well, firstly, where are the real communities? Where is their real affinity? And, and studies were done on this by the Bannum Commission um, uh, that looked at community identity. Uh, and part of the problem with Bannum Commission is, is that it didn't leap on the unitary bandwagon and, and give the government of the day exactly what it wanted. Um, but it, it found in many cases, you know, evidence of real communities, real identity. So I think the first step is we identify where they are. We identify what services it's possible to, to provide within those levels, but we also give those councils powers and freedoms and autonomies that match what, again, is commonplace overseas not asking for you know um uh, uh anything that's, that doesn't exist anywhere else but we need to free our councils from uh the sort of dead hand of central regulation we need to free them from over control we need to trust them we need to let them get on with the jobs and the way in which you can start to build that system is to identify the communities that are real what can be provided at that level where would we then move up the tiers uh, and what sort of tiers would be would would we have and what makes sense i mean if you look now at uh, i mean one of the things that, that genuinely frightens me is, with the combined authority uh, experiment is that it's not going to be long before somebody somewhere says well these new combined authorities are working very well you know they're, they're doing what we do why do we need all of these constituent boroughs why do we need these nine ten borough councils why don't we scrap those and just have the combined authority now some people will laugh at that but that's the direction of travel we're blind to systems overseas we're blind to the uh, sophistication that the um uh, uh, uh tiered system uh, provides us and that's where I would start you know look at what real communities are look at what could be provided at those levels and operate on that sort of scale um, and it's not impossible it's it, you know there are systems existing elsewhere that we simply have to look at and learn from I, I mean I'll give you an example a, a, another one a little while ago uh, I think it was the uh, public accounts committee a member of that committee is I think said something like, oh, the problem with the tourist tax is there's no operational model. Well, there are 20 <laughs> you know, sitting across the channel. There are plenty of models by which we can start to recapture the local in local government. Because not only have we ditched the local, we've also ditched the word government. I mean, if you look up the word government in the, in the dictionary and then compare it to what local government can do, you wouldn't apply that. You wouldn't say that these institutions are governments in, in, in any way. Um, I mean, you asked earlier about the, um, uh, you know, how, what does the international evidence tell us? What does the independent evidence tell us? And I, I said that 
bigger local councils aren't always better. That's the other thing we have to recognise. But one of the things that was more consistent in all of that research is the bigger local government gets, the more damage is done to what we would call the democratic criteria. Mm. So things like turnout in local government uh, elections, uh, trusting councillors, trusting council officers, uh, willingness to engage uh, in local government, uh, consultation mechanisms, uh, contact between citizens and their local elected representatives. All of those really important democratic things start to break down the bigger local government gets. And it's no surprise to me that if you look at the size of our local government, bigger than the European average by a country mile, if you look at the number of councillors we have in this country compared to the European average, if you look at the number of people that those councillors have to represent, which is amongst the largest representative ratio across across um, Europe, and then you find we sit absolutely rock bottom at the international uh, league table of local electoral turnout. Biggest councils, fewest councillors, largest representative ratio, bang, smack at the bottom of the electoral turnout table. So if we, if we were to summarise then, it is that bigger is not better. Having uh, local councils, local government, which represents the people and the communities it serves, is, is the way forward, uh, not just getting larger and larger. I, I think so. And the, and the worrying thing is with this agenda, it, 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 we are in one, we are on one direction. It, we, we're travelling in, in one direction. Um, I think it is the centre's uh, 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 aim to move closer and closer to the Mould Committee's 58 unitary councils. Um, you know, I often get uh, accused of dealing in a conspiracy theory, but I only do that because people conspire. You know, and I've asked sort of, you know, is there any uh, is there any you know truth in this allegation that I would make? And I've been told absolutely vociferously not. So my thought is therefore it is true. You know, the more you deny something, the more likely it is to be true. So I think this is where we are going. Uh, I think we are most definitely throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're losing the best in local government and we're replacing it with something that is simply bigger versions of what we've had before. So let's, if we're going to start again, as I said, let's look at communities, let's look at what the word local and the word government really means, let's tear our structure. Some people say, oh, well, it, it's terribly confusing, isn't it? If we, you've got a county and a district and a parish, people are so confused. Nobody wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and goes, I don't know who takes the dustbins away and I don't know who gets rid of the rubbish. Nobody cares. What they care about that it is that it's done. And if you're confused, there's a very simple trick to ease that confusion. You ring the council and you say, can I speak to you about my son's school, please? Oh, sorry, you need the county. Here's the phone number. End of confusion. Okay. No, it's, 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 it's very true, Colin. It's, it's, it's an absolutely important topic. I think as we get... Uh, as we go through this year and going into the elections, this is a really important uh, talking point. I think that everyone needs to be aware of. And that's why this podcast is here. So, Colin, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for coming on and talking about this important topic about why the centre obsessed with large unitaries. And I look forward to talking with you later in the month on our second episode of the series. Look forward to it. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Truth About Local Government. As always, if you've liked the episode, give it a like, share and comment. Look forward to speaking with you soon. Goodbye for now. 
thank you for listening to the Truth About Local Government podcast. Now, 87% of listeners who enjoyed the podcast do not leave a review, follow the podcast or share it. Please, if you liked it, review it, share it, and let's keep spreading the positive message about local government.